Welcome to this edition of the Gateway Podcast. Thanks for connecting with us. To discover more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz. May this message be an encouragement to you. Well, welcome to part two of our two fireside chats where we're looking to unpack the current sermon series. Last week we uh, looked at revival and today we're mainly going to be looking at the subject of how do we hear from God. However, before we actually get into how do we hear from God, one question that, about revival that came in last Sunday night, which I thought was worth including today, says, what do you mean when you say things took off when the Holy Spirit came? Does it mean the church numbers grew or were people already within the church praying and doing an outreach? Were they allowing the Holy Spirit to move more and, than they did before? So what do we mean by taking off? I'm not sure of the context I used that phrase in. I can't remember, but um, sometimes if the Holy Spirit falls and yeah. people say, man, the meeting took off. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm not suggesting that it means church growth. Often it means the exact opposite. Um, when I, I guess I was using it in terms of there are significant manifestations of the Holy Spirit as he comes among us, which often happens. I mean, biblically speaking, when people... When, well, take, take Pentecost. When Pentecost occurred... Uh, the Holy Spirit fell on them, and the outsiders looking on suggested they were drunk. Yeah. They have to be drunk to, behaving, to be behaving like this. And Peter starts off and says, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. They can't be drunk. Now, you know, how often have outsiders accused church people of being drunk in their services? Not that often. No. But no. when the Holy Spirit comes, on occasions, that's exactly what happens. And I, I think probably I was using the phrase, it took off. Yeah. to describe and something after that order. Perfect. Okay, we'll put that to rest. Revival is often accompanied by some, how do I put this politely, unusual statements, especially in the area of God is supposed to have said, or God said this to me, or God and I had this conversation. Catherine Coleman, mm-hmm. she was quite, uh, didn't she say that she only needed the Holy Spirit to teach her? She did. Well, that's pretty powerful, and wrong, but, and John Wimber, John Wimber said, and said, God said to him, and now I've seen your ministry, I want you to see mine. Yeah. Those are quite interesting conversations. You know, we're not here to make a comment on those, but it does raise the question, how do we hear from God and know that we're hearing from God, and I may, may touch on this next week, how do we hear from God without being weird? I think that's a, a big question. So can you, well, between us, can we mention some of the ways that we we hear from God. Yeah. Um, I don't think God speaking to you has to make you weird uh, for a start. No. Um, I agree. Some people who God speaks to and they get weird were weird before God spoke to them. So. That's when the Holy Spirit came upon them and made them more weird. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Things took off. <laughs> <laughs> um, number one would be the scriptures. Yeah. You know, you'd want to say, I think most often the and the gold standard of the way God speaks to us is that he speaks to us through his word. Yeah. So um, when, when you highlight other things and diminish the word of God, I think it's always dangerous. The word of God becomes the boundary lines and the, the gold standard for anything that God will say. Mm-hmm. So the scriptures firstly. But then the Bible is a record of God speaking to people in all kinds right. of ways, from angelic appearances to visions to dreams to internal voices to, I mean, it's a record of how God speaks to mm-hmm. people. Yeah. In, in, a, in a couple of weeks, we've got um, Daniel Brown coming. He's an old friend of Gateways and a friend mm-hmm. of, of ours. And, 
He is incredible in the whole area of wisdom, isn't he? I've never known anybody like him. No, I, you know, I, I mean, if you talked about the gifts of the Spirit, I could probably say when you said healing, I'd say Catherine Coleman, you said yep. prophecy, I'd be able to tell you some names. If you'd said to me before I met Daniel, who you know works in the word of wisdom, I probably would have said, golly, I'm not so sure. My experience of Daniel Brown is that he has a remarkable word of wisdom and it's been um, yeah. significant in our journey. Yeah. It's, so I'm really excited about having him with us. But just it's in conversation with him, and he'll sort of illuminate a situation and just bring scripture in it, and you'll see it, and you say, "Of course, it was just yeah, yeah. just wisdom beyond." Yeah, yeah. I, I can think of two two instances where he spoke a word of wisdom to me that was yeah. just um, pivoted me and and was really significant. And there was one that he gave to, to both of us. Yep. Which uh, which really really helped. Incredibly us. helpful. You know. I've never had a dream nor a vision. What am I doing wrong? Uh, we haven't got enough time. <laughs> We'd need several days. <laughs> we do. We'll have the lazy boys with them, mate. Yeah, but we will. No, you've had a dream, some powerful dreams. Yeah. Um, Karen's the dreamer in our family. Yeah. But um, I, th I think I mentioned last week, uh, uh, you know, about uh, um, that prophetic word over her life about having the mantle of Zechariah, the dreamer. Yeah. And she's had some powerful dreams. Some of them have just given us real insight into um, what, we, what we faced when we came here initially. Uh, I've, I've told the dream a number of times, so I won't tell it again, but it gave us a real insight into what we were talking about. Since then, probably um, maybe out of envy and jealousy, I got on my knees and said, hey, me too, Lord, don't pass me by. Yeah. And I have had some significant dreams as well. Some of them related to um, the exposure of sexual immorality, and again, that's in my book. One that I never put in my book, and actually was a dream that went way back into my first church days. It's in Martin. Yeah, in Martin, where um, I, I, I told the story a little in the book, but we had a very dominating, um, uh, very insecure pastor. We went down the road of dis the discipleship mm -hmm. teaching, and it was unbelievably legalistic, dominating, and very destructive of people. And uh, I knew things weren't right, but I, I couldn't, I probably didn't have the courage at, uh, at, that I needed to actually put my hand up and say, this is not good enough. So by implication, I was involved. And I had this dream, and in the dream, we were in our church offices, and we knew Jesus was coming. And we were not ready. I, I looked at my pastor, and uh, this sounds crass, and I'm sorry, but it was the dream. He was covered in human excrement. But I looked at myself, and I had some on me too, by association. And we did not have the time to get things right. Jesus was coming, and that was the end of the dream. And uh, boy, that was a wake-up call mm. for me. I knew that I had, to, I had to, as a leader, I had to do something. I had to take my courage in hand and start speaking. And uh, I knew the result of it, but that wasn't the point. Mm. <laughs> we'll come back to this subject in, in a few moments about how God has spoken to us both over our... our life and ministry, but some of the other things that we jotted down with is preaching, conscience, still small voice, that, that inner witness, coincidences, suffering, is a big one, God speaks through us, suffering. So, in light of what you've just told us about Luke and Jesse, what was all that? Uh, in terms of the leading of God? Yeah, how did well, you hear it, God, how did we hear that? Well, it was just a thought. Yeah. One of the things that <clears throat> I've found in terms of hearing the voice of God is 
Um, I like to put it in the way uh, Frederick Beekner describes it because I just think it's just beautiful. He says, thoughts that I didn't choose to think chose me to think them. And sometimes I just have a thought. Mm -hmm. and, and it's so odd sometimes. You know, I mean, I have odd thoughts all the time. But, um, the, we won't the, go there today. No, don't go there. We haven't got time. Um, but sometimes a thought will come, and it comes with a, a degree of surprise yeah. and, and sometimes authority. And, I, and I've, I guess I've learned when I hear that voice or that thought that I take notice of it. For me too, sometimes words that I speak, um, so words that I did not choose to speak, I find myself speaking. Yeah. And, and I'm surprised. Um, uh, I've joked about this before, but I've sometimes had conversations where I've said things and I want to stop and write it down because it's so good. <laughs> and uh, and, and I, <laughs> I know it didn't come from me, you know. Um, I got a badge for my humility once, but they took it off me because I wore it. <laughs> and it sounds unbelievably proud, you know, but I, I am so aware in those moments, that is not me. Mm. That was way too good for me. And so thoughts, sometimes what I say. Comes. I think for me, it's, uh, sometimes I'll be exactly out walking or do something completely non-related to what I eventually end up thinking about that I know that is clearly not of me. Yeah, yeah. And I know that I just got to act on it or do what yeah. I feel. So with Luke and Jesse, it was a thought. And it was a persistent thought when, when uh, that other guy turned us down. Because you had it a couple of times, and the first time it wasn't sort of... Well, it was just a throwaway, yeah, you know, and I thought, oh, man, whatever. And, but it came back to me. And when Annie and Mike were talking that day, I found myself thinking again, Luke and Jesse. Then there was a coincidence. Did you know he was in the service yesterday? Mm. Not, no, I didn't. Then there was kind of that confirmation of his warmth toward me and, and his response to Gateway and the conversations, and then I'd finally say the community, amen. Yeah. Because we all met, and I thought this would be interesting to see how it goes. And unanimously, all of you guys came back and said, they are a quality couple. Mm -hmm. What they've been through, the brokenness that they've been through is actually gonna be their great strength in the days ahead. Yeah, yeah. So you sort of put those things together. Would you say God told you? I wouldn't, no. I'm, I'm very wary about going there. I, I would say, I, I think, I hope, I trust, but I wouldn't say God told me. Can you, just gonna go away from our notes for a minute, you know. I think it's a good teaching moment. I think maybe to unpack that, when people say, well, God told me, God told me, God told me, for goodness sake, be quiet. God's yeah. talking to other people, not only you, but it can be as if you have a monopoly on God and it can put, get people's back up. Well, it puts you beyond any correction. That's right. You know, if God told you, who am I to say that he... So know. so you were saying that was not, you, you can't say God said, but how would you coach someone to sort of say, hey, maybe God's speaking to me or... Um, yeah, I, I, it occurred to me, I've had this thought, I'm wondering if yeah. perhaps... Ease yourself in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm, in, I'm really interested. Jeremiah gets told by the Lord. Now, we aren't told how he was told, but the Lord said, a relative's going to come to you and he's going to ask you to buy a piece of land. Mm. Buy it. And then it says, the relative came and, uh, and says, I'm selling a piece of land. Would you like to buy it? And then Jeremiah says, then I knew it was the Lord. Yeah. Up to that point, he's wondering. Did, you know, was it too much pizza the night before? Probably wasn't because he was in jail. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah. what... I, I think I'm... I'm yeah, I, I just think tread softly, because the number of times I've been yeah. wrong is too many. It's like we talked last week about the language of revival, and I sometimes think the language around 
sort of talking about hearing the voice of God can either be very helpful or not. Yeah. I yeah. think it's wise. Well, when you say God spoke to me, you know, other, most often people are thinking, golly, he didn't speak to me like that. Yeah. Well, the reality is he didn't speak to them like that either. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I, I think, yeah, I, I just like to be really tender around that so that, A, if I make a mistake, I've got to back mm, out, yeah. you know, um, and, and um, B, you don't intimidate people like yeah. that. Puts people um, going to give three or four examples from our experience of how God has spoken to us. But before we get to this, I'm sure that um, we, both of us are going to talk about the role of the prophet and how God has spoken to us through certain people. And all of you will be aware of the email that went out on Friday morning from uh, Don and Karen, Hope and myself, in regards to the, the passing of Tony Saxon. Not all of you will know Tony, but Tony has played an Huge role here in Gateway over the years, long-time friends of Don and Karen, and latterly for the last nine, ten years, Hope and myself, and many, many people here at Gateway. And he has profoundly spoken into situations and, and people, and maybe you're even here this morning, and he's done that for you. Um, earlier this week, we heard that Don had, uh, heard, Don heard that Tony had taken his life. So we just can't move on and not not talk about it or not reference this. We wouldn't reference it. We wouldn't want to do that. But how are you doing? Ah, shattered. Yeah, shattered. Uh, shocked, but not surprised. Um, Karen and I have walked with Tony for a lot of years, and so we've seen um, the wonder of the man's gift and the incredible brokenness of his life. Most of you probably aren't aware, but Tony was brutally, sexually, repeatedly sexually assaulted by a Catholic brother uh, when he was a little boy at mm. school. And it, it just, it, it reminds me of Lonnie Frisbee. Yeah. And, um, you know, when Lonnie's brother said his experience of being sexually abused shattered his personality, it did that to Tony. Mm. And uh, he, as much as he tried to recover, he, he didn't. And, um, and it's, it's, you know, Tony was with us about, was it May? He was here for Sunday yeah. evening service. He, yeah. wasn't, I was, he was in a fairly good place. Oh, yeah, I took him out for a meal after the Sunday night service, and I said to Karen when I got home, he was in such a good place. Mm. But he, he would, uh, um, I don't know whether Tony was ever diagnosed as Bipolar, I'm not sure, but he certainly exhibited some, um, ex some symptoms of bipolar. He would be really, really good, and then he would be really, really bad. And um, he, he would just go offline, you know, and you'd disappear, and you couldn't contact him. Like sometimes you, you would have two or three conversations with him in a day. I'd have two or three conversations that we wouldn't hear for two months. Yeah, yeah. And we have to say that over the last... Four to six weeks, we haven't heard anything from him. Have we in no, the sense of uh, since that time, you know, I didn't hear from him. And then Karen and I had COVID, and we were sort of you can get back to him as you know, you sort of have those moments of you thinking, man, if only I had, you know. Um, but but John and Martin, his pastor, and Nelson, who's just been, I, I just take my hat off to those yeah. guys. They've walked with Tony through the good, the bad, and the ugly, and they've not let him go. Jono called me and said, hey, I'm trying to get hold of Tony. I can't reach him. He's not answering me. Will you try? Because he'll probably answer you. And uh, I tried, and he didn't answer. And he just texted me immediately back and said, "I'll mm. call you tomorrow." 
And so I said to John, he's going to call me tomorrow, and John said, no, he won't. He, he said that to me for days and days and days, and he just hasn't called. And, and of course, he didn't call, and we couldn't reach him. And then I got the call from Jude. And um, when Jude, sorry, when Jude uh, said, it's Jude Raffles, uh, Jude Saxon, I blurted out, oh, God, it's not the call, is it? And he said, yeah, I'm sorry, it is. Mm. So yeah, we're shattered. He's a good friend, you know, we traveled with him. I mean, he was chaos, man. Good chaos, bad chaos, and just plain chaos. Wherever he went. And Karen and I were kind of reminiscing, you know, we went to the Philippines with him and we took our son Dion and they're both ADHD, you know, talk about peas in a pod, you know. Within five minutes of being in this city in Butuan, um, down in the southern Philippines, Dion had seconded a motorbike. How, where, and from whom, I have no idea. Tony's on the back of it. And they are zipping their way through Filipino traffic. And if you know anything about that, that's a feat in and of itself. Dion is driving and Tony is taking photos faster than you can blink. And it's like... Oh, we've got a week with these guys. How are we going to survive it, you know? So he was just chaos wherever he went. But it was glorious chaos, and many of you have been the recipients of just the unbelievable prophetic gift that I have not seen the like of anywhere in the world. And I've met some of the, you know, Kansas City prophets and some of those guys. None of them would hold a candle to Tony when he's on it, when he's on it. Totally reads him out. remarkable. So, in that sense, we go down on Wednesday, we're back on Thursday evening with memorial services at 10 o'clock on uh, Thursday morning. Don't normally do this halfway through a sermon, please, I just want to pray. Father, we add our prayers this morning to the myriad that have been prayed for Tony over the years and are now being prayed for his family that he has left behind. Again, we just simply come and invite you, Holy Spirit, to comfort those who need to be comforted, to speak to those who need to hear from you, to reassure those who need to be reassured. And we ask you to be palpably present with us all. We do pray for Don and Karen at this time. And we pray that they too will know the closeness of your spirit like never before as they mourn the loss of a friend. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So, three or four examples of how God has spoken to you and how he has spoken to me. Sort of, help, how do we know the voice of God? Mm. Do you want to start? Okay. Um, prophecy would be one way. Um, mm-hmm. I've told the story many times of our departure from Cambridge. Um, we were in Cambridge 11 and a half years, loved the church, weren't planning to go. Mm-hmm. But through four prophetic words we were positioned to know yep. beyond any shadow of a doubt that we were to go. And we'd spend a time praying, we unsettled. You know, it was an interesting sort of journey in hearing the voice of God. Firstly, it started with an unsettled period. And I didn't recognize the voice of God in that, it just was unsettled. Mm-hmm. But I rang my friend, John Watson, and I said, no, I can't get through this period. And just a word of wisdom, do you think God is preparing you to move? Mm-hmm. No, I said, I don't think that's the case. And then he gave that illustration of moving a tree you know, you dig around it. You don't just dig it up and move it. You dig and you loosen it. And sometimes the unsettling is being prepared to be loosed. Then I had about four or five invitations to go to other churches, which hadn't happened. Just suddenly, all in a very short time, uh, Karen and I prayed. I went to a conference and a guy came up to me and said, hey, Don, 
Um, I don't, you don't know me, but I just want to tell you, God is preparing you to move. You're going to leave Cambridge and go to a city. He walked off. 30 seconds later, somebody else came. He said exactly the same thing to me. A week later, I'm in a meeting upstairs. There's an American pastor, and he looked at me and said, are you thinking about leaving your church? And I said, I'm trying not to. <laughs> and uh, he said, you're supposed to leave your church. You're going to go to a city. And then uh, a couple of months later, um, Peter Morrow, some of you will remember him, because um, I started saying, Lord, how, how come I'm leaving at the moment? Because you gave me some promises. You said I'd go through some tough times, but then I would have really, really good times. You've forgotten your word? I mean, I'm a father. I know, how, I know the deal. You eat the broccoli, you get the ice cream. I've eaten the broccoli, and you're saying, it's time to finish the meal. It's like, where's the pavlova? Where's the ice cream? Well, <laughs> you can have those conversations occasionally. Not too often, but... Um, and Peter Morrow was in our church, and he just looked at me, and he said, God has not forgotten his promises concerning you. And it was like <laughs> dust and ashes, you know. And he just prepared the congregation for our leaving. He said, these people are... And he, he, he talked about us leaving. So... Dreams have been significant for me. They they have been. um, Natural circumstances, Mm -hmm. just sometimes just being awake to natural circumstances. Um, And we we have, uh, Karen and I have a couple of stories, and they're both Karen's, and I asked if I could tell them, but just things that you think, oh Lord, you are so good. Um, We were in. Los Angeles, you and I were at the uh, School of Pastoral Nurture and I'd asked Karen to preach while I was away. I was doing a series on sowing and reaping and I said, look, this, would, this is where we're going to go, so these are your Sundays. And for some re- unknown reason, I do not know why, she didn't like my notes. Can't imagine. No. It, no, she, she was happy with my notes, but she just kept thinking, I'm supposed to talk mm. about masks. I'm, to- I'm supposed to talk to people about hiding behind religious masks, but that will mean that I don't do the series, you know. So during the week, grappling with, should I do that or should I just stick to, you know, Don's notes? And on the Saturday, she had sort of prepared something, but on the Saturday, went for a walk, praying about whether I should talk about masks. Came back on a walk, it was a bit of a windy day, and there was something lying on our front lawn, and Karen went over to it and picked it up, and it was a party mask. But not only was it a party mask, it was a party mask of Jim Carrey's The Mask. (laughs) What's 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 the odds of that? Probably God. Yeah, and so she preached it and got a really good, really good feedback. The other one was she was preaching and she was talking about foundations and during the week mentioned to me that she thought uh, the story of the three little pigs was an illustration of uh, uh, building an important foundation. And I, we laughed about it and she said, I'm going to read the story of the three little pigs. And I said, go for it. And uh, not a scripture, but the three little pigs from the Golden Book. Anyway, as, as um, the... As Sunday approached, she started to get cold feet and thought, this is going to be really cheesy. I'm not going to do this. And even on the way into church, we were discussing it. Mm. She said, I don't think I should do it. I said, do it. Do it. You know, people all think it's cool. Just do it. We parked and we were walking up the steps and there's a group of kids looking in a box and they're laughing and I went over to them and said, what do you got in that box that's making you laugh so much? Open up the lid, three little pigs. (laughs) Three little piglets. Now, I've been coming to church <coughs> for a lot of years. Mm. Never have I seen three little pigs in church. 
And I said, Karen, Karen, come here. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> Superb. One of the ways that God has led Hope and I quite strongly over the years is through the power of invitation, that he yeah. has spoke to us through invitation. It's not that we receive or accept every invitation, but at critical points in our life, we've, an invitation has come out of the blue. You know, I said last week we'd seen some incredible growth in our first church. And we would, were coming to the end of five years, and we were just saying to God, God, do you want us to leave or do you want us to stay? We were sort of, it was going to take it to the next level. We were happy to do that. And, and we just didn't know. We didn't clearly know there was the right thing to stay. Uh, to stay. I, was, uh, I was in, in those days, remember those landlines we used to have? Yeah, we still do that, don't we? We still do that, I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> I don't know why we do that, but... I was, the phone rang, it was Daniel Brown. Okay. He said, again, this wisdom, he says, Chris, do you, fancy, do, you, do you and Hope fancy coming over to join us here in California? And one of the things that we had prayed was that when we left our church, that the people would know there was an offer we couldn't turn down. Mm. Amazing situation. It was, and, and another, another time was when I obviously be involved in local church and missions, and I was approached by Elim churches, though they were appointing a new international missions director, and they asked me to just prep them for it and, the, and help write a job description on what were the challenges for the 21st centuries. So I went along and, and did it and uh, uh, helped them with it, and they were pleased with what they got. And um, they, they invited me to apply for the job and to take the job. And I said, no, thank you. I said, I don't, I don't want the job. I'm happy where I am. We're settled. I was driving home from that um, meeting, and I just felt God say, that was a really good decision. You didn't really ask me about it. <laughs> I said, no, he, that was true. I hadn't asked him. And so long story short, I went back. I said, listen, guys, I want to apply. I want to submit myself to the whole thing. Yes, you know, we, we ended up mm. being again. And when we came over here, that again was that power of the invitation. God seems to speak... You invited us to come over when you were, knew we'd been shaken loose. Invitation has been a very, very powerful uh, way that God has spoke to us and led us and directed us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I think primarily for me outside of the scriptures, um, the scriptures have been yeah. really important for me, you know, um, and the number of times the Lord has spoken to me as I've been just reading is, you know, you can talk about dreams and funny coincidences, but the scriptures have been for me the place where more often than not the Lord has prepared me for things. Um, We went through a time in Cambridge. I I was reading in Isaiah and uh, in one of the chapters, and and the scripture read, the children that you will have after you've lost the others will say in your ears, there's not enough room for us. And it just was radioactive, you know. It was like, whoa, what is that? What do you mean the children I'll lose after I've lost the others? It wasn't, it was a bit daunting, to be honest. And I kind of walked softly for a little bit before the little, what, what are you saying? You know, what, what's this? And I saw a picture uh, in my mind's eyes in a prayer meeting. And um, no, actually, I, I, um, first of all, I was reading in Nahum, Nahum chapter one, and it talks about the Lord. Uh, they, they will be cut down as the Lord passes through. And again, it was just like radioactive. And it was like, oh, I'm going to lose. They're going to be cut down. What are you saying? You know, is there going to be a splitter? Are we going to go through trouble? And, 
Um, and it was, in my mind's eye, I saw a, a, a hillside of pine trees and suddenly the wind blew and it just carved a, a pathway through the trees. And then a, about a day later, um, somebody gave me an exercise book. I wished I'd got the picture actually, but on the back of the exercise book, it had a, a sheep being shorn and the long blow of the shearer going through, only it wasn't wool, it was trees. And I can't explain it if you want to see the picture. And it was like, oh my goodness, what are you going to do? And then the Lord just spoke to me and said, you're going to lose people. But it's going to be me, and don't panic. Well, I kept a record, and over the next year, we lost 118 adults. And we were only a church of about 150 at the time. And it was one after another after another going to places of ministry. And, and uh, I knew it was the Lord. And I didn't panic because I knew it was him. I think I would have if I hadn't have had mm. that word, you know. Pastorally, you're losing so many people, you start thinking, is this okay, is this right, or what's going on, what are we doing wrong? But it was, it was the Lord, and, and the scripture set me up for it. Mm. There were other ways, but it was the scriptures primarily. There's, there's a good side and a, and a negative side to hearing how God speaks to other people and other people's stories. It's exciting to hear how God spoke to some, someone but it can be actually a little bit intimidating because God doesn't speak to me like that. Mm. And you know what I mean? God speaks yeah, to you sure. and me completely different. But I think that's the point that I want to raise in this situation is we have got to learn to hear how God speaks to us as incredible, yeah. unique individuals. I got yeah. two children. I speak to them both differently yeah. and in a way that's intimate and, and they're both happy with that and not intimidated by the other one. And I think God wants us to learn how yeah. he speaks to us. Well, Gary Chapman talks about love languages, and yeah. I think God has his love language with us. You know, we're different, and, and he doesn't speak to everybody in yeah. the same way. And it, is, and it can be intimidating, you know. You just say, oh, man, scriptures don't come alive to me like that. Well, they don't come alive to me like that all the time either. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I'm, we're, we're compressing into 45 minutes, so 40, 40 years' worth of illustrations, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And more often than not, I read the scriptures like you do, you know, and, and some days it's like eating dry wheat picks and trying to whistle. And, you know, I finished and I think, what was all that about? I haven't got a clue. Next page, please. You know? I, I was in Ezra this morning, the first, second chapter of Ezra. Yeah. Oh, man, it was tough. Try Leviticus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I Revelation. I think I skipped at the end. Yeah. So, so you know, don't go in with unrealistic mm. expectations. You know, I, I, God... God doesn't direct us, you know, we're not message a minute saints. I, you know, I can go months and not hear. Mm. And maybe that's just me being sick, I don't know. But I found when I really need God to speak, he speaks. And until then, he lets me play in the playground. That's and he doesn't mind what I play on, you know. I, I think I was raised with, you know, a yeah. tightrope view of God's will. I, I, I'm on a tightrope. Oh, God, 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 help me. I've come to the conclusion that I play in a playground, and it does have boundaries, and he doesn't want me to go outside them, but he doesn't direct me. Swings, right, swings, you know, slide. No, no, you've been on the slide too long. It's like he lets me play. I think that's a very powerful illustration. I have that down here. That's a, that's a, I think maybe for myself, coming out of a fairly traditional evangelical Pentecostal uh, background, sometimes you think, maybe not consciously, that the will of God is this tightrope. Mm. It's like, oh, God help you if you fall off, literally, mm. in that mm. sense. It's mm. like, well, I love the illustration of a playground. Well, the interesting thing was, God told us to leave Cambridge, but he didn't tell us where to go. Mm. He said, you're going to go to a city. I said, okay, well, it'd be helpful. To, there's a few around, you yeah. know. <laughs> any, any further information on that one? It's like, yep. And for a while, it could 
potentially have been Wellington, and then, uh, much to Karen and my delight, it looked like it was Singapore. And we ended up here. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. We, we, we love it, you know. But why do you think in some of these things? Why does God give us the freedom to choose? Because He wants us to be fully developed human beings. Yeah. And and not Stepford wives, you know. People who direct their children, you know, we call them helicopter mm. parents. And the kids of helicopter parents are not healthy because they've never been allowed to develop. And Jesus, I believe, wants us to be truly human and to develop character and qualities. And you can't do that when you're being directed every second and a half, you know? You have to, you have to learn to fall over, skin your knees, and think, oh, I'm not going to do that again. Mm. I, I totally agree. I think one of the things for us coming to New Zealand, was we talked about it, obviously, with yourself and Karen, we talked about it. As uh, with the church leadership here, we talked about it with our family, the kids and growing up they were, and um, I really felt God say to us in those situations, do you want to do it? Mm. Do you want to go? Mm. And I think the answer was simply as yes or no. Mm. And if we'd said no, God would have taken care of that. Absolutely. And we said, I mean, the chance of coming to work with you guys and being here, and, and I said, yep, yeah, we're going to do it, because if we don't, in 15 years' time, we'll regret it. Yeah. And I just think God would have said, Thank you for making your mind up. I've been waiting for you to do it for so jolly long. <laughs> I, I remember an old Pentecostal pastor talking about, he was, in, he was leaving his church and he was invited, three churches all were vying for, yeah. his, um, for him to come. And he said, I prayed and fasted myself into paralysis. Yeah. You know, and he said, I was sitting on my porch one day and said, oh God, for goodness sake, tell me which one to go to. Mm. And the Lord said, pick one. He said, I don't mind. I said, I'd go with you. Wherever you are, I said yeah. I'd be with you. And so he said, well, oh, checked out the wages and, you know, the, can, and decided. And, you know, I, I, yeah. I mean, I, when, when, he, when he really wants you to do something, yeah. like our children, sometimes there's things we say, no, no, I want you to do this. This is important. And you give them instructions. It was important that we left Cambridge. And yeah. he gave us instructions, you know, beyond any shadow of a doubt. But he hasn't done that to half the decisions I've made. No. More than half. He yeah. trusts me. Not sure why, but he does. Mm. One last question as we finish. In the whole area of moving something or knowing God's voice or moving, how big does a sense of being released from where you are to go to somewhere else? Sometimes people say to me, oh, Chris, I feel God's telling me to go to A, B, and C or whatever. And my question to them is, do you feel a sense of release? Do you feel a sense of you've already finished with God, finished doing what God wants you there? Mm. And I think that sense of being released is actually quite an important aspect to moving forward in some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the problem with that for me, Chris, is it's so subjective. And I, <laughs> I know people who felt released from their marriage vows. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, mm, okay, where did that release come from? Maybe I feel I'm, great peace about it, mm, really, mm. you know. Maybe it's a very personal thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, we felt released from Cambridge. Yeah. We, we had to be released from Cambridge because we were very wound into that, lot, um, that town and that church. And we grieved over that. Mm. Um, God released us and he gave, he was very gracious and we knew we were going in his purposes. We didn't know where, but we knew we were going in his purposes, and that was incredibly important. Um, 
but but that's probably the only time uh, you know that that whole uh, maybe maybe with with you it's been important not so much with me I, okay. I, I suspect I think for me it's been one of those things it's like yeah I feel a sense you are releasing me I've done what I needed to do here yeah um, yeah. Can I, can I just say one more thing? I know we're nearly finished. But that's the uniqueness, though, of God speaking to us. Yeah, to different absolutely. People. We're different. We're different. For me, conscience has been really important. Yeah. And, and um, one of the things in terms of learning his internal voice, people say to me, oh, I've never heard God speak, Don. I often say, yes, you have. Have you got a conscience? Well, yeah, but that's not God. Yes, it is. It can be. Yeah. Now, I know the conscience can be focused on the wrong things, and the Bible talks about it being purged from dead works and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But as we walk with Jesus and under the touch of his Holy Spirit, the witness of our conscience and the witness of the Holy Spirit close ranks. And so in Romans chapter 9 and verse 1 in the Amplified Bible, Paul says, my conscience, prompted and enlightened by the Holy Spirit, mm. bears witness with me. And so when I do things and I feel that prompting of conscience, I listen to it. Yeah. And it's often led me to the Lord saying something significant to me, and I joked about it the other week when I did something that I probably, I didn't know whether it was right or wrong, you know, to be honest. Um, but, but I had this little sort of prompting of conscience, you know, you know, but anyway, I went and did it. And uh, I won't tell you what it was, but um, as I was walking out of the shop with my lotter ticket, I s- <laughs> what? I said, <laughs> Lord, are we okay about this? And I mean, as strongly as I've ever heard the voice of God, actually, it came just with such clarity and force, whatsoever is not a faith is sin. Mm. And he wasn't saying, you buy a lotto ticket and you go to hell. You know, he wasn't saying, I, I, I wouldn't even say that he was saying buying a lotto ticket is sinful. He just said to me, Don, if you have to ask that question, yeah. you've got the answer to it. When your conscience makes you ask that, mm-hmm. you've got the answer, don't. Just yeah. don't, don't, don't drive close to the edge, pull away from it. And so just learning, you know, when your conscience says, you shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't have told that lie. You shouldn't have done that. Mm. Don't, don't fob it. Don't, Just deal with snow, it. don't snow job it. Yeah. If you want to hear the voice of God, deal with it. Yeah. Go back and say, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. I didn't tell you the truth. One time, way back in Martin, sorry, we're going too long, but way back in Martin, my pastor put a bit of pressure on me. Can you come out? And I told a half-truth. It wasn't completely true. It wasn't completely a lie, but it was half-truth. Anyway, next Sunday, I'm in, it was the following day, worshipping, and the Lord just spoke to me and said, you lied yesterday. My conscience, okay? I said, the Lord said, my conscience, you lied yesterday to your pastor. Hmm. Okay, well, I don't know what I'm going to do about it. Just the prompting in my conscience. I said, well, tell him. Yeah. Really? So I, went, I did. I went and told him. It was important to me. It was, those moments are important. What you do with that voice is important. And if you want to hear the voice of God, listen. And, and uh, sometimes your conscience will be askew and you'll get it wrong. I laughed at Pete Gregg the other day talking about you know, uh, uh, um, his book, Hearing the Voice of God. It's very good. 
And he said he felt like he was supposed to go down to a restaurant. So he goes down to the restaurant, absolutely nothing happens. Nobody talks to him. He tries to witness to the waiter and she fobs him off. And he goes home and he just said, what was all that about? And he said, I imagined this conversation in heaven with the father laughing with the son. Look at that boy. He got that so wrong. But isn't he good for trying? (laughs) So let's work with him. There you go. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about our faith community, feel free to visit our website, gatewaychurch.org.nz.